Hey friends, welcome to episode 98 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Swift, and I want to warmly welcome you to the show today. I want to thank you so much. We are getting close to the 100th episode, and that's going to be a big celebration. And I want to thank you so much for being a faithful listener. And if you're new around here, I want to warmly welcome you and I hope you'll stick around and join me for shows to come because I have some amazing guests lined up and you're going to really love what God is doing with the show. And today is an amazing show. My friend Cindy LeFavre Yorks is joining me and she has graced many a red carpets. But before we talk about that, I wanted to remind everyone that Fierce Calling is part of the Spark Network and the Spark Network can be found on the Edify app. You can listen to Fierce Calling and all kinds of amazing Christian podcasts on the Edify app and you can download that app for free at the Apple or Google Play stores. So check that out, friends. You will really be blessed by it. So today, Cindy is going to talk about how she used to interview high profile celebrities on the red carpet. She attended the Oscars until God changed the trajectory of her life and she traded in her stilettos for sandals and for the fierce calling he had on her life. I know what she says is going to encourage, inspire, and challenge you. So listen in while I have a chat with Cindy LeFavor Yorks. Welcome back to the Fierce Calling Podcast. Today, I am so excited to welcome my friend, Cindy LeFavor Yorks. She is a former journalist who covered fashion shows, celebrities, and the red carpet. She traded in her stilettos for sandals and for special needs parenting and became a podcaster, blogger, and author of three books, all of which are available on Amazon, and we'll be talking about those later on. And she is just a wonderful friend. I've had the great privilege to meet her in person and hang out with her, and she's just a classy chick. Hey, Cindy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Doris. I just so appreciate you having me on Fierce Calling. I am so fascinated by your former career and what you did, and I think I'd like to hear a little bit more about that, but I know God has a plan for this episode, and I would love if you would share where you're taking action, where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect, and share how that all flows into your story, Cindy. You know, it's just so interesting that that's the way that you've put it, because actually in the last couple of weeks, I've realized that even though where I came from is very different than where I'm now positioned uh, for kingdom work. All of those skills have come into play in in kind of a tapestry, if you will, uh, of what I'm able to offer now based on where I've been. So you asked me about journalism. That was, I knew I wanted to be a writer when I was 13. I used to write poetry on a little pipe over uh, by the creek where I grew up. And so that kind of morphed into high school journalism. I worked on the high school paper and was the rock reviewer. It's kind of a wild ride. And then uh, when I got to college, I thought I might want to be a literary agent. And then when I found out that if you're not Jackie Onassis, you can't really get the New York publishing jobs, mm. I shifted gears and ended up working at Texas at the newspapers there. So I worked uh, in Houston at both the Houston Chronicle and the Houston Post. I was in a fashion writer at both those papers and then moved out to Los Angeles to the LA Daily News where I became the fashion editor. And that's really where my career took off in terms of going to the New York fashion shows and 
interviewing celebrities and working the red carpet and going to the Oscars and flying around in helicopters. And <laughs> it's <Wow>. pretty wild. <laughs> pretty wild. What Do you have like a favorite person that you have interviewed or somebody that you met that was uh, surprisingly different than you had thought? <laughs> oh, that I could go on and on, but I think I'm going to tell kind of a different sort of story now that you've asked me that. I mean, I've interviewed people like Ted Danson that everyone knows, but I don't know if everyone knows who Catherine Deneuve is. She's kind of a famous French actress, mm -hmm. but she was different than I expected. I didn't realize she'd be quite as icy as she was. So I, she came out with a perfume for Avon and the marketing person said, you're going to ride with her in the limousine to her personal appearance. And then the limousine will take you back to your car. So I got in the car with her and we're talking and I had all my questions, just like you do, Doris, when you're interviewing somebody, you know exactly what you want to ask. And maybe if there's a little time left over, you might say something like, you know, at this time in the interview, I just would like to say that you can speak your mind about an issue that's maybe been uh, on your heart, or if you have a question you want to ask me or just anything you'd like to add and make a statement. <laughs> she looked out the window and she goes, I knew the ride would be too long. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, and I was my. just kind of like, all right, well, I'll just get out here at the curb and hitchhike home. <laughs> that's, that's just hilarious. I love then that. Then I have a true confession. I was a little bit mean. She had a run in her stocking and I totally put it in the article. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. That is an interesting <laughs> story. I do know that name. I do know her uh, name. So I'm sure from movies or whatever were... <laughs> at least from commercials or something. But yes, yeah. probably. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well, how did you get into the fashion part of it though? Well, my dad uh, worked for a fashion company and my mother was a wannabe fashion designer. She went to Stevens College to study to be a designer, but she sort of took the housewife route and never really was a designer, but she was always quite the fashion plate, my mother. My mother was a great beauty and she looked a lot like Elizabeth Taylor. And uh, so she always was dressed to the nines. And so I, our whole family kind of dresses up even today. And even, even my oldest has sort of picked up on that. For me, it was sort of funny. He wore suspenders to church, <laughs> uh, but it, I digress anyway. So yes, there was that fashion uh, aspect of my upbringing and then I just, um, I never really was much of an artist. My mother was the artist in the family. So I always wanted to be a writer. I always wanted to express myself. And I always wanted to be able to describe things. I was just more of an English major type. So I think I combined my curiosity about life and my desire to express myself and then my love for fashion. And that kind of morphed into the very narrow career of fashion writer, which they don't even hardly have any of those anymore because that's sort of a luxury in a, in a time where most of the information is imparted in sound bites and on social media. It's quite different. I mean, you have such a wonderful fashion sense. You always <laughs> look amazing and you can rock hats like, <laughs> whoa, you know, I, I don't know. I put a hat on and I'm like, I, I just don't know if this is for me. I mean, I love to wear hats. I love hats. But I just, you know, you just look normal, natural in a hat. And I just love that you have all different kinds and so fun. 
So anyway, well, that is really fascinating. And I don't think I had ever heard the details about that. So I think it is interesting. And I think it is important to share those things because of how you even said that God equipped you in those things for what his future plans were for you. So how did that then segue into what you have been doing and what you're currently doing to walk in your calling? Well, unlike a lot of people who, you know, have had a vocation or a career, my trajectory is quite different because at age 38, we adopted our first child. So we had a bout of infertility. We didn't really do any treatments. We just decided we would pursue adoption. So I I didn't become a mother till I was 38. So my husband was in law school and those were years of great concentration on careers. And my husband and I have always been very driven people. And we didn't have a lot of conversations, even we've got married about having a family. You know, part of me wasn't even sure if I really did want a family just because I, and that's, you know, just more to do with my stage of life that I think I overemphasized that I wanted to, you know, pursue fame and, and that people would know my name and read my work. And, you know, it was more about, more about me and my work and less about whose work it is, which is sort of where I am now. But backing up again to that point in my life. So my oldest was born. And then three years later, we adopted another child and he ended up having special needs. And so they were quite pronounced. And at age 18 months, and I was 40 at the time, I knew that I probably wasn't going to be working anymore because that ended up taking most of my time and energy for a couple of decades just raising him. And he, you know, he had his difficulties. He's severely autistic and nonverbal and, and on occasion could be violent, even uh, with medications. And so I kind of had the glamour career up front. Then I did my special needs parenting. And then when a, a day came when I could no longer take care of him, we had to call 911 and we were at the hospital and, you know, it, we had to chemically restrain him to bring him home. My husband was out of town we ended up finding a place for him to live and the state pays for the caregiving through that situation. I no longer take care of him on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. I felt the Lord saying, I want you to give back now. I've given you this time and this unique and very unusual opportunity for somebody like me, uh, who is a special needs parent, who would come out from that day-to-day effort and really be able to help other people like me, regardless of their problems. I mean, special needs parents do really appreciate my writing, but also people who have addictions and other problems that they feel that they might be hopeless about because life is really hard. And, and there are a lot of very big problems that we have to grapple with in this day and age. And they all look different for different people, but that same hopelessness can appear if we don't have Jesus in the eye of our hurricane. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you for sharing all that, you know, part and season that you had gone through that God helped you through and his word to you on your heart was to now, I want you to go forth and help others. And it, it was such a transition and a transformation in your life. I imagine because you go from, you know, the way the world kind of tells us it's all about, you know, us and fame and make our our name known and all of that, and then going on to do work for for the kingdom. So where was the transition of your heart, do you think, uh, Cindy, when you made that change over? Well, I suppose it came on that day that we called 
911. I had my housekeeper here with me and it was an unexpected unraveling like so many that are, you know, connected to mental health. I moved a pile of newspapers six feet and, you know, autistic people don't always like it when something's changed or differentiated. And so he became violent. We managed to get the medicine in him. And then, you know, we had called 911. So we were waiting and the fire engines and all the emergency vehicles came to the front of the house. And I was in the front of the house and I was on my knees in the grass. And I I audibly cried out to the Lord. I'm like, I cannot do this anymore. And, you know, I'd said that before and not had much of a response one way or another. I was just kind of in the messy middle, if you will. But this time the Lord was very clear and he said, I know. And the miracle that happened there was that the next day, my husband flew home from Delaware. So between that day and then 10 days that preceded that date, we found a house for Max, closed on the real estate deal, moved him in and had a caregiving staff in place so that he could live in that house. And and that is just nothing short of a miracle for anybody that's ever bought any real estate or even understands how you arrange caregiving from the state. It was phenomenal. And it's, Mm -hmm. that's a God-sized task that only he could make happen. And after that happened, I felt so free and I felt, I mean, I definitely had a few days where I didn't do much of anything because I was still recovering, honestly, from that, you know, the trauma of that event. But once I recovered from that, I began to see that I really wanted to write some things that would speak to people who were in the midst of that hopelessness and let them know that the Lord has a plan and a purpose for all our lives, not just the lives of our special needs children or even our neurotypical children or even just for ourselves in Jeremiah 29, 11, he tells us that. And it was my intention to write some books that would really minister to that. And I remembered like 20 years prior, I was looking for books like that. I now know where to find those. But at the time when I went to the bookstore, all I saw in that moment and in that day were books with all sorts of hearts and flowers. And and I said, where's my book to help me deal with my real problems? And the Lord was very clear in that moment and said, you have to write that book. So that was kind of what set me on my journey of writing my devotion books. And then uh, the podcasting came as an outpouring of what messages were there that I wanted to, you know, seize the opportunity in a different medium to maybe reach people who were driving in between appointments or who don't have time to read a book or are not inclined to do so. That's really powerful how you went looking for something that you needed and God said that you were the one that he was calling forth to produce it for yourself Actually, I'm sure it was very therapeutic as you were writing, but also because it would be good for other people who also will need to see those books that aren't the flowery ones that, you know, may not be the ones we need in a certain season of life. So that is amazing. So what was the first one? Tell us about that one. First book is actually the side door. And that points to the whole notion that you're, you're walking along your path and, and you know, you think that your things are going pretty well. And then all of a sudden you're, you know, you're at a fork in the road and, and God takes you on a detour and you're like, well, wait a minute, Lord, we were going over here. And he's like, no, I'm taking you over here. So my side door was really my special needs parenting journey. And the, the 10 week devotional that I wrote isn't about special needs parenting, but it was birthed from a lot of that pain and a lot of that, um, discovery 
about how we really can lean into the Lord and he can help us on that journey if we follow him and instead of fighting him to actually partner with him as we move down that path that we're going to end up going down anyway. <laughs> so we might as well cooperate. Yep. <laughs> wow. I love what you just said that we should follow him instead of fighting him. That was, that was really impactful. That is a great statement because sometimes we don't even realize that we're fighting against the current of God's calling. And we just wonder, you know, why is this so hard? And it's like, not that our calling is easy, but when we're walking in the gifts and the things that he's calling us to do, we get that confirmation that he's right there and he's helping us through it. So, so the first book came out, Mm -hmm. how long in between for the next one? Well, so that was another amazing miracle from the Lord. I took, I I do a lot of volunteer work, even, even when my child was here, if he was in school, I was volunteering at community Bible study or, or trying to shepherd other women in smaller ways. And when I say smaller, I don't mean that they're less important. I just mean that the increments were controlled and I was still able to do it. Uh, so anyway, then I, I took 10 months off all that work to just sit with the Lord and write my book, which ended up in a loaves and fishes kind of miracle being three books. So in 10 months, I wrote three 10 week devotionals and it was never my intention to write three different ones, but nobody hardly reads a 30 week devotional that isn't more than one page long per entry because it's a lot of book to hold. So when I turned it into the editor, she told me, she said, you know, this book is 600 pages. And she goes, there's not very many devotion books that have that kind of volume to them. And she, it was her idea to split them up. So I told you about the side door. And then my second book, The Trap Door, is about being on a journey and thinking everything's going okay. And then all of a sudden you fall through the bottom and you end up in the abyss and you haven't a clue as to how your life could have gone from being above ground to being in the pit. And I think um, the pit looks, again, different for everyone. Maybe you had a death in the family or a divorce, or you had another kind of a life-threatening illness, or maybe an addiction. There are all kinds of things that can, you know, fit into that, that trapdoor framework. And so that book is really about recognizing what traps are, who sets them, how we can climb out of them and using tools to be able to do that. And my favorite story to tell about that book is that <laughs> when I wrote um, the foreword for the trap door, I was so arrogant and thought to myself, isn't it great? I mean, this is so embarrassing to say, isn't it great that I've <laughs> you know, gotten past all my problems. So now I can just help other people. Because I really thought I would never have any kind of a monumental problem again. And then I feel like the Lord and Satan had a little chat like they did with Job. And he's like, she's, you know, thinks she's the perfect Bible study girl. And, you know, she doesn't have a clue, you know, about how to really stand and have a, a big problem now that Max is out of the house. And I did have a very major problem after that. And six you know, six days later, I was in the abyss and thought to myself, how in the world did I ever get down here? Yeah, I think that once we start thinking like, we're always going to be above the troubles (laughs) of this world that Jesus told us we would have, we could get into an issue with that, because things just can come at any time. And 
And then it is okay for us to say we're not okay. You know, I think there's a lot of times where we feel that we aren't, especially as believers in going to church or whatever, you know, that we can't say that, you know what, I'm not okay or everything's not okay because we have to feel like we need to put on airs or something or, or, you know, if we don't say that we're okay, then it means we don't have enough faith. Is that some things that you've kind of experienced also, Cindy? Totally. I, I think, I think I've really had to come outside myself and take a good hard look at who I really was and who I really am and who I want to be and where I want to be and realize what a big chasm really lies between the two. And I, I'm kind of at a point now where I realize that, you know, that's a journey that the Lord needed to take me on in a big, bad way, because I think I didn't recognize the depth of my sin nature, if you will, or even just myself as a Christian, you know, trying to walk and, you know, being, doing a quiet time one day and ending up in a situation that I couldn't believe I was in that same day, sort of like Peter, when he, you know, Lord, I'll do anything for you. And then all of a sudden, like, who are you? No, I don't know who you are. I think, you know, prior to some of these experiences I've had in recent years, didn't fully understand the depth of how that could be and how we could be one thing and end up being something else. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. I think, you know, prior to some of these experiences I've had in recent years, didn't fully understand the depth of how that could be and how we could be one thing and end up being something else. But at the end of the day, you know, God's grace washes over us and we have his repentance and we can lean into it. We can have a clean slate and be a new creation. And, you know, I wanted to walk people through that as well. And that's where the vault door, you know, came into play that I wrote the forward to that during the pandemic. And, you know, everybody was locked down and it was a time of great apprehension. And it was, you know, a a time of extreme difficulty if we didn't have the truths and promises to lean in, then the bottom again would fall out and we could end up in the abyss if we leaned into our fears and um, not knowing what the future holds. But of course, as Christians, we do know what the future holds. And when we remind ourselves of those truths and promises, we can make it through. Amen. Yeah, that is so good. You know, and living like we believe what we believe, like actually living it, because when life circumstances hit, it's really difficult to keep our eyes on Jesus and focus, but that's what we need to do. And so the three books are amazing. And at what point, because I know you've been called to a very large scale type of calling, evangelistic type calling, can you go into that a little bit for us and how that began. And at what point did that begin? Was it while you were writing the vault or was it after? You know, everybody had a different reaction to the pandemic. A lot of people just vegged and watched TV and I can totally see how that could be. But I don't know, something in me just really got stirred up. And I really had a heart for people that were just so afraid and unsettled. And I wanted to be able to do something to alleviate that anxiety. 
And so I started making these Facebook lives. So every day I would wake up, get fixed up, <laughs> go on these Facebook lives. <laughs> and I would write an original message and I would read a little excerpt from one of the three books. Well, actually at the time there were only two, but I actually had other, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like rough drafts. So I would share something from that if I felt like it was pertinent. But I did that every day for six weeks, you know, when uh, beginning like in part of March and then ending sort of in May when things kind of, you know, you know got a little bit more loose, but not much. Right. And I, during that time, my international reach really expanded. And I don't know if it was just based on the times that I was doing these Facebook lives or what it was exactly, but I do know it was part of God's plan for what he had in mind for me later. And so I developed a very large following in India and in Pakistan, even some other countries. I probably shouldn't even say the name. And as a result, those people began following me and they have poured into me. And they've also asked me to partner with them to educate their young people. I'm going to be working with some people in Pakistan to help educate their young people. And it was interesting what the, you know, the Christians in Pakistan are very on fire for the Lord. And they've had to sacrifice and fight. I mean, you talk about a fierce calling. These people are, they are just like incendiary for the Lord and you can't stop them. And they say the parents are really on fire, but they don't have time to teach the children and they don't make it a priority. So what I was saying at the beginning of this podcast, how the Lord has intersected so many of my gifts. Another thing that I did at community Bible study was work with the kids. And it was funny because I didn't really have a zeal for doing that at first because I had so many challenges in my own home with my children that I was like, children's is the last place I want to be. And the Lord's like, you're working with children. You're going to do this and you're going to do this. And I did, I did. I worked in a couple of programs with children. So that laid the groundwork for this. And the pandemic laid the groundwork for the international audience. And the Lord taking me down a million pegs in writing all three of the books helped lay the groundwork for my character to help me really be able to admit that I am really just the hands and feet. It's not about who I am or the work that I'm doing, but the work that the Lord does through me. That is so encouraging to hear how God just in the journey as he brought you through each and everything and brought you along and equipped you and all. And for this opportunity for him to open this door I mean, your books are all about doors, right? You know? So it's like, you know, and then he opens these doors for you, an opportunity because there was a need that you had no idea this Facebook live thing would fill and that it would get out there. And it just goes to show how God will expand our reach and increase our borders. And this world gets smaller and smaller when he is in control and when he, cause he's sovereign. So he's the one that allows the reach. And so that is, that is really amazing. And how you're able to now speak truth into the lives of the children of these other countries who need to hear truth because there's so much crazy town stuff going on with the enemy is having a field day with so many different places um, who are believing false religions, following idols and what an amazing thing that he's able to bring this forth. So is that going to be done like via Facebook or Zoom or how are you going to reach the people? Well, so they set it up very similar to how you do for a podcast. There's a Zoom meeting 
And so all these things are done virtually. I've of course been invited to come in person to places like Nigeria. Uh, my husband's not super keen on that. He's a little worried about my safety and I want to be a God honoring wife. I'm not really afraid to go places, but I want to use my head and I want to honor um, who's the head of my household. And, and so for right now, I'm not doing a lot of that in-person international stuff. But the other thing that he's introduced, which I, again, intersects my skill set in a very divine and amazingly unforeseeable way, was how at this conference that Doris and I just attended, I met with some people at the Global News Alliance. And it's an organization that's similar to Newsmax, only it is centralized with a Christian worldview. And at this meeting, I was really just going because I had a heart for the Ukraine and there was going to be a report about people that were inside the Ukraine. And I wanted to learn about that. But the Lord, in that way that he does, he takes you over to uh, a place. You thought you were going over there for one reason and it was entirely for another. I now I'm going to probably be a correspondent for this Global News Alliance. And these reporters use their smartphones to report uh, the good news about God's kingdom work. And when I heard that they were looking for people to do that, I just could, was blown away that the Lord had brought me there for such a time as that to hear the work that those people were doing and know that my skill set had come full circle. My journalistic skills, my love for the international people, and I, I didn't say this earlier, but I also um, have been to Rwanda on mission trips. And so I do have a heart for our international brothers and sisters. So for that to be included in that scenario, and then on top of it all, sometimes when we're at these conferences, there are a lot of big fish at the conference. And it's easy mm -hmm. to feel sort of insignificant. And I think um, that's a little more pronounced for me because in my previous career, I was more high profile. But again, we all know it's not about us. And so the Lord wanted to kind of refine my character take me down a few pegs, help me realize what kind of a worker I needed to be to do the kingdom work he had in mind for me, and then position me in a place like this where they said, we don't really have anyone with your ability and credentials, and would you would you like to partner with us? We'd love to have you. So it was nice to go from not feeling super marginalized, if you will, to really you know wanting to be a part of a team that's doing some amazing work around the world and really helping Christians who are in very difficult situations. It was just amazing. Wow. That is so exciting. It, and just how you were sharing, you know, you went for, you thought one reason and then God opened this other door. And I, I just, you know, want to encourage the woman who's listening right now that God continually does these things when we stay close and abide in him and are willing workers for him. And we, you know, we have an open heart and, you know, he will humble us in different ways and get us prepared for what we're going to do in our next season. But we don't have to always look to the next season or wait. We can look at what he's doing right now in the season that we're in. And you had no idea when he went to this conference that this was going to take place and the connections. And I know what you mean about you know, sometimes you go somewhere and there's what we would say, big fish or people who, you know, who would know, you know, those people just by looking at them, you know who they are. And, you know, and it's funny because I think about it and I'm like, well, I know who that is, but 
there's probably a ton of other people who have no idea who that person is, you know, if they're not in that circle or whatever. But to us, that was like, you know, when I was, oh, I don't know, 10 feet from Priscilla Shire, <laughs> two years in a row and never asked for a photo, I could just bop myself on the head because I love her so much. And, you know, there she is. But she's hanging out with her dad, Tony Evans, you know, <laughs> another well-known person. And um, But we did take a photo with her last year, which was fun. And uh, with her sister, Crystal, and then her dad photobombed, <laughs> Tony Evans photobombed the photo. And then Priscilla Shire was right behind them, and you could kind of see her hair. Uh-huh. So I would joke around and say, oh, look, there's Priscilla's hair. You know, so anyway, <laughs> but it was so fun. But that's, so I understand what you're talking about. I just wanted to kind of bring that out. But God lifts us up in different places for the work that he wants us to do. And he strategically places us in these situations and places that we had no idea and honestly would not normally have any access to. He opens access for us. And I think he does it in his timing when we're ready. We think we're ready. We think, Mm -hmm. you know, we think, well, you know, I'm just as ready as Priscilla is, but we're not, (laughs) you know, and the Lord knows what we can handle and he knows where he wants his position and we might have one thing in our mind about how, you know, our trajectory is supposed to look, but he has the long view. And that's the thing I've probably really learned the most this year in my life is that there were certain uh, things that I wanted to happen in my life. And I would hear the Lord say, I'm not going to promote you until you pass this or that test. And so it's been a year of real character refinement for me and surrender. And I think, you know, I love the title of your podcast, Spirit's Calling, because that's where I find, you know, I want to lean into that fierce calling because really it's the most important thing. What God calls us to do is more important than how we feel about ourselves or what uh, our view is of our position in our community of, you know, people that do what we do. You know, that doesn't matter to the Lord. He's like, are you a good ambassador for Christ? Are you somebody that is going to really mirror me? Are you going to say and do what I want you to do? Are you going to abide in me? And of all the things I've learned this year, that's brought me closer to God. And it's made me a better ambassador for him. That's amazing. I love how you laid that out and how you were talking about how we're ambassadors for Christ. And you've mentioned several times throughout the show, character, working on character and and also how he, he had humbled you, which he does, and to abide in him. I love that you were talking about how it's in his timing. You know, like we think we're ready for something, but he still has some sifting mm-hmm. to do with us or some pruning mm-hmm. to do with us, which doesn't always feel warm and fuzzy, but it's so needed for us to bear much fruit because he doesn't want us to just bear some fruit or even bear a little fruit. He wants us to bear much fruit and he's the one that produces it. So, you know, it's so, it's so cool to see how he is at work in and through you in doing these things, which these things are purposeful. Like he'll take some things that we do in our life that may not be, we think as purposeful for the kingdom, but yet he does, he uses all of that. So I love how he does that. So what is next on your horizon, Cindy? What is your next um, step that you're working on right now? 
Well, I right now I'm working on returning my podcast to the airwaves. I had a little bit of a hiatus. The enemy came up hard against me with all sorts of <laughs> obstacles. Uh, my father was quite ill and needed a couple of surgeries. So he came to live with me for three months. And then I had some issues in my home that are still being ironed out. I'm not going to get into all that. You know, I had um, a calling that the Lord put on my life for a very short season to take over some work at community Bible study because someone had to vacate that position. And that was another surrender that I wasn't really in the mood to do. I'm like, Lord, you know, my podcasts are tardy. He's like, Cindy, you know, my sheep need a shepherd. And so I agreed to shepherd this group for a very short period of time until the end of May. And, you know, in our humanity, right? We say to ourselves, but my podcast has not been on the air for many months. And the Lord's like, I don't care about that right now. I care about this need and you're going to meet it. Yeah, I love that. And how you were talking earlier, because you also talked about surrender. And and that is so key, isn't it? Yes. And, you know, I always, again, in my arrogance, thought I was surrendered. And then I realized the layers of surrender are like a piece of baklava. You peel off that top layer and there's another one right underneath. And it takes a really long time to get to the nuts and the honey. And I feel like that's going to be a lifelong process for me that the Lord is going to continue to peel layer after layer off of me. And the other thing that I've learned uh, in recent years is that I better have my armor on because (laughs) as those layers get peeled, we need to be prepared because the more that we try to do for the kingdom, the more the enemy really is going to come up against us. And I remember when I was younger, I used to kind of dismiss that kind of talk and say, oh, that person's just a scaredy cat or, you know, they don't really believe that do they you know and I think we can do that if we're not mindful of what the enemy is really trying to do in terms of destroying our kingdom work or at least trying to debilitate us or discredit us that if we don't have our armor on we are really targets for him yeah thank you so much for emphasizing that and bringing that up because that is so important and the enemy wants us to kind of be lackadaisical about things and don't and not to have our guard up because that's when he can really attack and we won't be prepared or ready for that with our armor on (laughs) and so that that is so important I I love that so much yeah so this has really been an exciting conversation and I love all the things that God is doing in your life and what he's doing in your ministry and just how he's using all of these things. And and I know that the woman who's listening right now is going to be encouraged by what you had shared about what he's done in and through you because, you know, he wants to use us for kingdom work and for his glory and for our good too. And uh, And I like how you had said earlier that God was like, you know, I don't care about that right now. You know, we, sometimes we think, but God, what about this? I have to hurry up and get this done or do this for you or whatever. He's like, okay, hang on a sec. You know, maybe not exactly like that, but you know, like what you were saying, it's like, you know, let me direct your steps. Yes. His ways are not our ways. And, and we, you know, we can fight tooth and nail and say, well, what about these crusades, you know, with these thousands of people, you know, compared to 10 women in Orange, California, who you don't have a leader right now. And he's like, that's what you're going to do. 
He doesn't care about the numbers. He cares about the work, how he's going to work in you, how he's going to work in them. Those are the things that matter most. Yeah, that is so true. And especially you think about Bible stories of, you know, that we even learned when we were younger and, and continue to read through about how huge armies were defeated by small, just small things that God instructed people to do blow the horns do this that you know it's just and and make it sound like there's a lot of you and it's just kind of uh interesting how God can do all those things in our lives and that every life matters so you're right yeah it's not about the numbers it's like every person matters to God and he looks upon the heart well I really like your example of Gideon that's what you're referring to right yeah that's a great story Uh I think I'm gonna have to go and read that and really ponder that because that's exactly mirroring the kind of thing I was I was referring to thank you for bringing that up yeah and you know I think about too the walls of Jericho coming down you know the things that we forget or read through and sometimes don't allow it to sink in like wait what happened (laughs) and I (laughs) what how but anyway just well the repetition diminishes the miracle but it doesn't really just in our mind not in the true aspect of the miracle (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and I love how you used baklava (laughs) for that analogy instead of an onion because you know most people want to just always say onion and baklava is so much more exotic and amazing and yummy well and there's a real reward there right i mean it reminds me of that bible verse in revelation 2 10 be faithful to me and i'll give you a crown of life so if we allow ourselves Mm. to be peeled we will get to the nuts and the honey (laughs) exactly so girls every time we eat a piece of baklava which it's okay to eat a piece of baklava every so often (laughs) i mean you don't have to eat it every day but it's okay to have a little baklava and just remember that it can remind us about our surrender (laughs) Because it is, you know, surrender every day. In every way. <laughs> and that is, and that is sweet, That's right? right. <laughs> Pardon the pun. I not. Love it. <laughs> oh, so Cindy, I am just so thankful for you being on and it's just been so fun and you're such a joy. And I would love if you could share with the listener how they can connect with you. Well, I do have a website, um, cindyyorks.com. You can find everything there. I've got blogs there. My podcasts are there. My podcasts are also on almost all the major hosting sites, including iTunes and however you get your podcast chances are in there. And I'm also on pray.com. And you can also find my books on Amazon, my Door Devotion Trilogy, social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, Cindy LaFavre Yorks. Nice. And you can check out Cindy and see her hats. <laughs> Because she is so stylish, I have to say. I would love to have you on again sometime. It'd be my extreme pleasure, Doris. I just so enjoyed all of our many conversations when we got together a couple weeks ago and even now. And I'm just so grateful to you that you do encourage people to lean into their fierce calling because that is just such an important thing. Regardless of how the size of our mission field or what it looks like, people matter. Absolutely. Praise God and amen to that. Thank you so much for all the encouragement today and I will talk to you soon, friend. Okay, take care. Thank you so much for listening today and I hope that this powerful episode with Cindy really encouraged you that no matter where you are at this moment or where you've been, God has amazing doors that he wants to open for you. 
you know, look at what Cindy was doing with her life. She was this fashion editor. She was meeting all these famous celebrities and being able to talk with them. And she was going through all of these grand entrances in the front door, you know, and then God called her out of that. And he's still using the things that she learned from those experiences in what he's calling her to do today. And it's so amazing how she said that he does put us where he wants us at the right time to meet the right people. You know, he positions us there. She said this quote, the Lord knows what we can handle and he knows where he wants us positioned. And we might have one thing on our mind about how our trajectory is supposed to go, but he has the long view. Friend, God has the long view and we can trust him. He's faithful. And so uh, I hope you reach out to Cindy and all of the links are in the show notes and you can check out her amazing devotionals. Yeah, and I hope you'll reach out to me and connect with me at doraswift.com. I would love the opportunity to speak at your next women's event. And friend, I hope you join me next time when I talk with another woman who's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.